One of your greatest passions yeah. is leadership. Yeah. You have the Leadership Project podcast. And I thought it'd be an amazing opportunity to have you on today for us to talk about leadership, because I believe leadership is influence. Yep. Mm. And we want to see church planters all across North America influencing for the gospel. Family, multiplication, restoration. I'm Dahadi Lewis. Join me, Noah Odom and Hayden Radner, as we come to you from Atlanta, St. Louis, and Las Vegas, as we seek to add value to your church planning journey. We'll have real-time, authentic conversations that are relevant to the life of the church planner and pastor. Join us as we hear from leaders of this movement from across North America and discover what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone. Welcome everybody to another episode of the We Are Send Network podcast. My name's Noah Oldham from St. Louis August Gate Church, joined as always by Dahadi Lewis, the lead pastor of Blueprint in Atlanta, and my man Hayden Ratner of Walk Church in Las Vegas. And today we are here at SBC 2021, and we have a special guest with us, Charles Smith, Senior hey VP, hey Senior VP of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, a lot, a lot to say about you. You are a husband of one, yeah. Ashley. Uh, girl dad times three. That's right. Go. That's right. Amazing guitar player. You Maybe. love to play Maybe. that guitar. Uh, but you're, one of your greatest passions yeah. is leadership. Yeah. You have the Leadership Project podcast. And I thought That's it'd great. be an amazing opportunity to have you on today for us to talk about leadership, because I believe leadership is influence. Yep. Mm. And we want to see church planters all across North America influencing for the gospel. That's so right. just to get started, man, let us know why is leadership such an important topic on your heart? Mm. Man, I appreciate being on the podcast, first of all, but as it relates to leadership, I grew up in the church, I grew up in the deep south uh, in, a, in a Christian family, and one of the things that always didn't make sense to me, even as a six or seven year old, was why on Sundays we were hearing the gospel preached and the other six days through the week, a lot of people just weren't responding to it. Mm. We, we weren't trying to be influential with the gospel, we weren't trying to take it to the marketplace. And I can remember going to a Promise Keepers as like a 10 year old and seeing thousands of men. You remember the Promise Keeper, yeah. uh, you know, generation and just thousands of men down front going for it and thinking, man, th this is what I want to commit my life to is activating gospel believing people uh, for the glory of God and the good of others. And, and I, when I read scripture, I see it missionally. I see God uh, moving throughout the Old and New Testament to make himself known in, in all places for all people. And so I look at that and I see mission, but I also see leadership. I see, I mean, you think Hebrews 11, there's people, if you read that, there's people acting, they're responding to their faith, own mission for the glory of God and the good of others. And so I think what's happened in the church is we've relegated leadership often to kind of what pastors do. Mm. Maybe a few people have that spiritual gift. And then it's really a boardroom thing. It's something that happens out there. And I think really when you look at scripture, man, leadership is something that started in Genesis 1. It's something that's part of the Imago days to Great. take a mission uh, or take dominion and, and be on mission. So I think that's something I wanna be a part of recovering. Uh, I, my place is in the academy, so I'm, I'm writing and teaching uh, future pastors to help them see that, not only for their own ministry, but for the people they're gonna preach to that's every good. Sunday morning. I think equipping the saints for the work of the ministry has a lot to do about leadership and not just us leading in that, but helping them see their part in that whole economy. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Well, yeah. Send Network's all about planting churches everywhere for everyone, yeah. so seeing that leadership in, in every sphere. Um, what, what opportunities do you see from your vantage point of leadership for church planters? What makes leadership unique in that context? 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of things, and, and as I mentioned to you guys before we started rolling, I'm not a church planner, but I do work at a seminary with 4,500 students that are planning churches, so I'm around it a lot. That's great. And so one of the things I would say for a lot of guys uh, that, are, that are planting churches or just pastoring, frankly, is understanding what leadership is. And, and not to nerd out on this, but I think a lot of people, you see leadership as a, a certain personality, a certain uh, Enneagram, maybe if Enneagram's your thing or whatever it is, you have a certain amount of Twitter followers, all those sorts of things. And for the vast majority of people, they'll never attain that. They'll, they'll never get to that. Even things like leadership as influence, which I agree with you, a lot of people go, man, I don't have, mm -hmm. I don't have influence. Mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I've got three kids underfoot. I'm just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. Man, my dad was a State Farm insurance agent. He would not have called himself a leader but that's exactly, I think, who God had called him to be wherever he was in, in, in that place that God had placed him. And so I think for church planners, man, just orienting yourself around that view of leadership. And I think most of us, man, that, that's the NAM culture, right? We're, we're all leaders. Yeah. But I think for most people, just seeing, man, when you're preaching the gospel to people, those those are the leaders. Like we're leading to, we're equipping them for that, but also just helping them see leadership isn't something that we're gonna sprinkle some Bible verses on and make it Christian. Uh, I believe this is God's doctrine first, and it's something that we've got to recover, and it's part of what we what so we good. do as Christians, right? Yeah. So I think that's a big deal. I mean, some of the things I think guys that are new, so I, I you, you mentioned the podcast, I do a thing called Leadership Project where we select 80 incoming students and we just invest in them from a perspective of leadership for a year. And one of the things, uh, and we all know this, this is intuitive, but I mean, they want to do so much so fast. And the very thing that makes them a good planter, which is they'll, they'll knock down a wall, the, they're entrepreneurs, they're visionaries. Man, those things really help you, but there's also some liabilities in that stuff. I'd, I'd love to talk about that some that I, I've seen a ton. I mean, the the, the classic example is guys just trying to do too much too quick. Yeah. And so you, you come yeah. into the old church and maybe it's a revitalization, you change the carpet, remove the flags, and you do all the stuff mm -hmm. overnight. And one of the things research shows us, and this I just think this is so amazing, you think about leading change, uh, for you as the church planner, it's all new, it's all fun, it's all great, and you're fired up for the thing. What you don't realize though, is for the vast majority of people you're, list, you're, you're leading, you're changing a lot of stuff that's connected deeply to their identity. Maybe dysfunctionally connected to the, their identity. Sure. I mean, things like flags. Like you guys probably don't have mm -hmm. flags in your sanctuary, and I hope I hope you don't. Hiding does. Hiding yeah, does. Okay, yeah, that's why I thought. Okay, does. so we'll scratch oh, that in the God. video. <laughs> <laughs> you got bells <laughs> and all that. That's that's right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. you got to redeem. Right. That's what. I'm yeah, he's he's just being slow. Uh, <laughs> the Michael Jordan flag. That's right. <laughs> well, I think I think a wise leader would go, man. Those flags are problematic but they're also really connected to the hearts of these people in, in a dysfunctional way. But I need to understand as I'm leading them that if I just rip these things out and change whatever it is, just change sure. all these things too fast, man, I'm actually ripping something out of just their core identity. Wow. And one of the things in leadership is trying to replace those things, whether wow. it's flags or carpet mm -hmm. or how we do ministry or what kind of pulpit we use. Man, just changing the pulpit. I mean, you guys have probably read uh, Tom Rainer's book, Who Moved My Pulpit, but man, church is blowing up over just, you know, whether you use the table or, you know, those sorts of things. And what people don't realize is it's not about the pulpit. It's about 
you're changing, leadership is changing stuff. And you're changing stuff that's just connected to the way I grew up. Yeah. Significance, man, I, I, that sermon was preached from that pulpit, those sorts of things. And so one of the things I encourage guys to do is, man, just be patient mm -hmm. and realize as you're yeah. changing things, leadership is different than management. Management is kind of keeping things together. But leadership by definition is trying to take people somewhere. We're trying to do something right. different. Right. And just realize these aren't just a bunch of neutral things you're changing. Right. These are things that, man, people have lived around and become, um, you know, they're associated with in really personal ways. And so just encouraging guys to at least acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the best books on this, man, is, is uh, Jeff Orge, and he talks about this as grief. Man, when, when you lead change, people grieve, just like they're losing something. That's good. And so I just think with, uh, with young guys, helping them see, hey, it's not personal. Like yeah. if you get attacked in a leadership project, uh, a process, it may not be personal, it may just be they love what you're changing, and they love you, yeah. and they're grieving the loss of something. Yeah. Let's look at it from a little different perspective, because you know a lot of what we're sitting at, we're planting churches, yeah. and so people are going in and they're trying to, in a way, they're leading change, but they're creating starting new. Starting something they're new. They're starting new. Yeah. But a lot of times they're bringing in people from a lot of various yes. differing contexts and yeah. backgrounds. And, you know, especially those early adopters, sure. they're, they're coming in thinking like you are going to create the perfect church and That's the right. idea yeah. of That's this right. church that they yes. have. Yes. How, do you, how would you um, recommend or advise like church planters to establish leadership where you have a, not dealing with one culture? Yes. per se, but multiple different coaches and trying to get them to buy into your yeah. kind of new vision and get on one um, primary direction. Yeah, well, I think one thing is, uh the big phrase that comes to mind is managing expectations. Sure. And we, we all do this, right? We go on a trip with our kids and we get everybody in the van. We go like, hey, just so you know, there's only gonna be so much iPad time and we're gonna have to stop and it's gonna be eight hours and, and you're gonna be tired at two, you know, those sorts of things. We do this and I think oftentimes in leadership, especially with people that are so visionary and future oriented, all you talk about is the big, glorious, great thing in the future that you can see, but nobody else can see. Wow. So that's a great benefit, right? Because that's this charismatic, spirit-wrought vision that will draw a bunch of people from a diverse uh, experience and background. The downside of that is I think if that's all you do, so that, that's a strength, I think the corresponding shadow and weakness of that is, a lot of times, man, six months in, whether it's a church plan or a seminary, you have people that feel disenfranchised and kind of like, man, you didn't live up to yeah. the thing you wow. promised on the front end. Yeah. And so I think part of the, the, the balance there is big vision and managing the fact that you can't paint fully what it is in the future, because mm -hmm. you don't know, you're, just, you're following God in faith, but also going, man, this is gonna be bumpy. I'm gonna let you down. There are gonna be things I'm not gonna do perfectly here. Uh, that are challenging, and just be careful, man. I, I'm not Mr. Vision, but I've got enough to know a lot of times I'll leave people, um, not in the dust, but like I've promised something to them and I didn't realize I was promising something to them. Because you get excited, you take people right. to go, man, it's gonna be so awesome yeah. and no God's doubt. gonna move. And then six months later, you don't realize, but you kind of half promised them a role of something. And so the people that are really gifted at visioneering are people that, man, they're just promises like mm -hmm. stumbling out of your mouth that are so beautiful and right. godly, but you don't realize, man, people are hanging their hat on these right. things as they fall out of your mouth. So and you've dreams. forgotten it. Yeah, you've forgotten it six yeah. months later. Yeah. 
Yeah, Yeah, because in the planting process, you have trusted the Lord's vision and you've seen it not work out. You've been able to spiritualize it internally and say, oh, that's just God had a better vision. That's right. But if you don't keep that in front of the people on a regular basis, they're like, where's this guy leading us? Yeah, Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, one thing that I, I love about this conversation, and I like how you said you come from the, the academy, yeah. and you're focusing on leadership. You yeah. know, I think it would be easy for you to say, yeah, I focus on the, the- theological part of yes. church planters and yeah. pastors, but you're saying for the practitioners, we're helping them lead better from the education and the That's academy. Right. And I, what I love about that, especially for me, when my wife and I started church planting, yeah. I was encouraged, you should keep going with yeah. education. You should work on getting your next level in seminary. And I was thinking like, I had this mentality that I think was was erroneous. It yes. was like, no, well, I'm doing this. Like, yes. I can't do both. Yes, that's right. And um, what I realized when I started to do seminary while in the midst of planting, yeah. it helped me grow as a leader. Yes. And practitioner-based seminaries yes. that are giving you challenges like evangelistic challenges or I loved when our professors were working with me on like, hey, I'm trying to get this situ- this situated. Can I get a little extra time yeah. here? And they're saying, hey, yeah. that's the goal. That's right. Like the goal is yeah. people, the goal is yeah. r- disciple making. And, yeah. and I think that's kind of what I hear you saying is yeah. you're saying, hey, look, we get that we're sending guys on the field, that's but right. we want to help them lead well that's in the right. process. And maybe talk a little bit about that, how, how the, the education domain, the, the academy works together, kind of, yes. the, 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 they're two different railroads, yeah. but they're going the same direction. Yeah. They're yeah. working together. There's a book uh, called Conviction to Lead by Al Mohler, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of people have read that book, but I, I think the introduction is worth the, the, the cost of the book, and what he says is there's two types of people, and he describes them as uh, believers and leaders, and he says the believers are people that says, man, all, all I need is theology, the Bible, and if I just preach a faithful sermon, like everything will fall into place. Yeah. And it's not less than that, right? But the leaders were, were on the other side of the spectrum, which is if I'm just a solid nails leader, this will all take care of itself. Yeah. And the truth is, whether it's practitioners in the academy, like those two things are mutually reinforcing. Yeah. And so what I see a lot is guys that are out leading or girls that are out leading Man, they, what they are doing, their practice is shaped by their convictions and their belief, how they see the world, how they understand leadership, how they see leadership as part of the yeah. Bible. Man, I, I would tell you, uh, I teach leadership two or three times a year, and I've done that for almost a decade now. Mm-hmm. And it would blow your mind in a classroom with 70 people, 60 of them, if you said, are you a leader? Now remember, these are graduate students right, right. that were good students preparing to be pastors and missionaries and counselors. And a lot of them would go, man, I'm not, yeah. I, I'm not a lit, yeah. which blows my mind. And what they're saying is, I don't have 10,000 Twitter followers. Uh, yeah. I don't have a podcast. I don't have whatever. Well, that, man, that is showing up in the church mm, right. five years from now. Yeah. It's, so good. Let's talk about that because yeah. when you, when you talk about like wow. even the process, how would you differentiate leadership development from disciple making, from mentorship, Man. like, and yeah. are, like, how would you categorize them? Because some people say, like, I've been disciple, but I've never been developed yes. as a leader. Or I've been developed as a leader, but I've, you know. And so, how do you parse those? You're out? talking about love language, asking that question. Um, <laughs> Man, I think that's the most relevant question if you're picking up what I'm putting down about leadership, which is if leadership really is connected to the Mago Day, then we're to make disciples. Well, isn't discipleship 
have a lot to do with leadership development? I would say absolutely. Uh, to me, they're, they're, it's almost an 80% overlap. But when we look in scripture, I think what we need to be really careful of, and this relates to your question, is we see leadership as a one size fits all. Like if you stand up in a church and you say the word leadership, uh, 80% of the people in the room think you're talking about pastors. Women tune out, uh, your lay leaders even tune out. They th they're thinking this is what pastors do, and they're right. That's a category of biblical leadership. Some people are thinking the spiritual gift of leadership. That means 90% of the room are now tuning out again. Women, Lord knows, they're, they, they were already gone. Uh, and children that are believed, you know, all those sorts of things. And so what I wanna do is recover a sense, and this is back to your point of discipleship, that meant leadership is not the privilege of the few and the brave and the charismatic and the platformed. It's the obligation of everyone uh, that calls Jesus Lord. And it's part of when we join his mission, which is what it's, what it's, uh, what we're saying as we're committing to Christ, we're saying we're not only committing to you to worship you, but also to join you as you take the good news around the world. Yeah. Part of that is acknowledging uh, who I am. Yeah. And I'm not it's just a holistic a, leadership. That's right. I'm not just a son and daughter, yeah. uh, but I've, as a son and daughter, I'm called to be about the Father's work, and the yeah. Father's work is mission. Yeah. And so I think that's got to be a part of back to discipleship. If, if you're planning a church, man, from the from the foundation to see mission as not this privileged thing that a few people may get to, mm -hmm. but it's something that all of us are stepping into immediately upon our profession of faith. It just, it, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. If you don't have the spiritual gift of leadership, it may look different. Mm -hmm. It's like evangelism. And yeah. I think this is how we need yeah. to pick that up. Like we're all called to share the gospel. Some yeah. people have the gift. We're all called to lead. Right. Some people are pastors. Some people have the gift of leadership, but we're all called to take initiative. All that's doing is, man, we're, we're growing feet in our faith and moving with the gospel. Yeah. That's leadership. Walk. I, I think one of the greatest yeah. things we see mm -hmm. in, in church plants that are thriving is they have a healthy, robust system for developing leaders. And they call it discipleship. Yes. They may not call it even leadership development, they have a pathway. If you could speak to those early stage church planters, what is, what is kind of just off the cuff, you would say, begin to develop this from the very beginning um, so that you can see leaders in the near future. What, what, what would that look like? Yeah, there's a couple of things. One is, um, I think the two words are clarity and courage. Okay. And the first word, we, we've already talked about clarity in, let's be clear about what leadership is when right. we think about scripture. And the bottom line is, hey, we're all called to it. Yeah. We're, we're, we're happy complementarians. We'll acknowledge there's some differences in some of these things, but, but all of us, the gut impulse, the disposition of a Christian is a step towards need. Right? So you have that, but then beyond that, as soon as we acknowledge that's our job, we should acknowledge the lump that's in our throat, the fear, the cowardice, uh, the cowardice, because what's happening when we think about leadership, the sweaty palms, the lump in the throat, when we think about stepping towards, if I were to step out right now, I would walk away from a group, a group that I like, uh, that feels comfortable, that I'm used to, this chair is comfortable. So every time we lead, man, we're stepping into something that's unknown and scary. Right. That's why the Bible tells us over and over and over and over not to fear. Okay. I mean, think about Matthew 28, 18. These guys are locked in a room and the Great Commission is to unlock the door. I mean, they've literally are just touching wounds, uh, but go back out there to the people that just crucified me and share the very message that they hate. Uh, and if that's our call, man, I think constantly what church planners are gonna have to do is be clear about what leadership is and then constantly reinforcing uh, 
and, and acknowledging the reality of fear mm -hmm. and reinforcing the need of gospel-wrought, spirit-brought courage. Yeah. Uh, and I think that comes, for me, it comes with remembering, man, I'm a son and daughter of God. Mm -hmm. I've, I've been empowered by the Holy <laughs> Spirit. Yes, it's, that's exactly right, identity. Yeah. And so a lot of guys in leadership development jump to strategy and vision and productive, all this stuff. And I'll nerd on that stuff with you guys for sure. days. Yeah. But if you build all that on top of a lack of missional identity, mm. you just get jacked up dysfunction wow. up here. And so leadership that just does this is, man, you're arranging chairs on the Titanic. But if you start, it's, it's like boiling water. Like if you start with heat, the molecules get moving, you get missional movement. Then leadership development to me is just directing that. Wow. But you gotta start with the, the, the gospel heat, right? That's good, that's oh, good. Yeah. Before we wrap, I know we only got a, a minute left, but yeah. I just had one more question for you, kind of off the cuff as well. You're a Charles, you're yes. at Midwestern Seminary, the Charles Spurgeon lab, right? Yes. Of all the goodies and yes. gems that come from his life. Tell us one thing on the podcast that maybe we don't know about Spurgeon. Give us a, a Spurgeon Man. historical fact that maybe we didn't get in the popular eye from, yeah. your, from your seat. So he, one of the things I think that's amazing to me is he started 66 organizations before really? he died, 66. Oh my. Orphanages, colleges, all these nonprofits. His wife, after he died, uh, spent her life walking around with his books, not walking around, but like she would go and equip pastors Really? Uh, with his books, mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, I mean, just think about it. Can you imagine our, one of our wives like, man, we something happens, we pass away, and she continues the legacy so and the work good. of the ministry. So 66, I mean, if you, you start one organization, that's a big deal. He's the picture of 66. practitioner. Yes, yes, that's 66. right. Yes. That's a lot. Yeah, that's helpful. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. Charles, it's been great to have you. Oh, we man, can thank talk you. for hours and hours. It's an honor. Thanks for joining us. And to the listeners and the viewers, thanks for joining us for another episode of We Are Send Network. Subscribe to this, share it with your friends on social media. If you want more information on the Send Network, you can go to sendnetwork.com. If you want to text us the word SEND Network, text those to 888-123 to get more information about planting with the SEND Network, 888-123. Hey, we're here at SBC 2021, learning from friends from all over North America. We hope it's been helpful. We'll see you next time. We are SEND Network. You have been listening to We Are SEND Network, a resource of the North American Mission Board. For more information about today's podcast and other relevant resources, visit sendnetwork.com.